How much do you really know about human trafficking? Did you know that it's a multi-billion dollar industry? Or that 62% of all trafficking victims in the U.S. are victims of sex trafficking? 49% of all traffic victims globally are women, and 30% are children. Let that sink in. Would it be safe to assume that you expect human traffickers to face a hefty sentence if convicted? I would. Well, guess what? They only face a maximum statutory penalty of 20 years. Let me say that again. A maximum of 20 years. If there's one thing that we've learned from this research rabbit hole that we've gone down on human trafficking, it's that everyone is undereducated, and as a whole, our world is so far behind on properly penalizing these often violent offenders. Hi, true crime fans. This is Caitlin, and today I'm flying solo. January is Human Trafficking and Slavery Awareness Month, so I've invited my friend Nikki Dutton from the international organization A21 that provides amazing resources for those who have been subjected to sex and labor trafficking worldwide to chat with us about this very topic today. And the information she has to share is invaluable. Whether you want to know more about protecting yourself, your children, your family and friends, or the countless strangers who are victimized daily, you'll want to listen closely to hear what she has to say. joined today by Nikki Dutton, and she is with A21, which, um, Nikki, do you want to start off by just telling us, um, let's start off by um, maybe maybe tell us what human trafficking is, and then what A21's role is with human trafficking. Yeah, absolutely. So human trafficking is defined differently, kind of depending on the source that you are pulling from. But the way that we commonly define human trafficking is the recruitment, control, and use of people for their bodies and for their labor. And right now, this is affecting millions of people all over the world. And I know we'll get more into the demographics and locations after um, later in our conversation. But uh, currently, we see that there are about 70 71% or women that are being trafficked, 29% are men, and then 25% are children, and that human trafficking generates about $150.2 billion a year, which is kind of mind-boggling wow. to think about. Yeah. Wow. Billion dollars. That's yes. That's incredible. Yes. And awful. It's an awful yes. statistic. Um, so, I, I mean, human traffic, I think, trafficking, I think, is probably the most um, well-known version of modern day slavery. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, there's other avenues too. Um, and since January is human trafficking and slavery awareness month, um, would you mind just touching base a little bit on what other forms of slavery we're seeing these days? Yeah, absolutely. And so for human trafficking, it kind of comes in a few different formats, um, that are most commonly recognized. Of course, there are variations depending on what the situation is. It's very case by case basis, but primarily at a 21, what we consider trafficking and what we look at the most is labor trafficking and sex trafficking. So labor trafficking can kind of be broken into a few different um, categories, but that's really using someone for their body, for their services to produce something for you. And then sex trafficking is, as the name suggests, that is using someone again for their body, but in a sexual way. And so in each of these situations, they do affect men, women, and children, and it's not necessarily contained 
pertained to a certain geographic region and it is something that we've seen is increasing so as um, you know it's a supply and demand industry so as there's more demand for more production of services or even in the sex trafficking industry for more of those services we do see that human trafficking is increasing globally and that's exactly why we exist is to help hopefully spread enough awareness so that it doesn't happen in our communities and then in situations where a survivor is in a type of situation of human trafficking to provide assistance in that rescue aspect as well as that restoration. And what about um, some red flags? So I know that we'll probably talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about like the actual sexual side of human trafficking. Yep. Um, but when it comes to like the labor trafficking, what are some yeah. red flags or tactics that are being used so that we can kind of be on guard? Yeah. So like I said, with labor trafficking, there are a few different kind of categories that we examine most commonly. So there's forced labor and forced labor is when someone is forced to work in captivity with little or no pay. And then there's also bonded labor, which can sound similar, but that is where someone's being forced to work for low wages and pay back an impossible debt. So they're just kind of continually running on this wheel, trying to get out of this debt and are unable to. And then there's also involuntary servitude, which is more um, like having someone work in a home or a space for little or no pay as well. And so in each of these scenarios, there are different approaches that traffickers use to get someone into this kind of situation that could be a false job offer. That's kind of what we see most commonly uh, is when someone is promised a certain type of work or is promised um, an opportunity. And when they arrive, there is a totally different situation. The living conditions are something that is examined a lot when it comes to labor trafficking. What type of conditions is this individual working in and are they living in that same space? And some kind of red flags would be control of movement, um, control of pay, and even that individual's ability to travel home or to contact friends and loved ones. Those can kind of be some red flags that are just able to look for, especially when it relates to labor trafficking. So as, I mean, obviously we're parents, uh, we are moms who talk crimes. So yeah. <laughs> one of the biggest things I think that we, we often talk about is, you know, our kids, how do we talk mm-hmm. about this kind of stuff with them without, um, you know, giving them total nightmares by giving them the, you know, the right preparation yeah. to go out and not really go out. They're not going anywhere, but you know, right. how, how do they stay on guard? How do we talk to them about it? Yeah, I think that's a really important question and I think that's something that is tricky when we're having conversations about human trafficking is that in no way are we trying to over-sensationalize the issue or are we trying to even in some ways glamorize what this might look like, what it could be. Uh, And when you're talking with children, you don't want to scare them. You don't want to freak them out. You don't want to um, add unnecessary concern or anxiety. However, with it being so prevalent and with it not being, you know, only uh, in certain areas, it's important to have these conversations with your kids. And we know that roughly one in four human trafficking victims are children. And so that is something that A21 has invested a lot of time in developing resources for. So I'll cover some ideas for how you can talk to your children about human trafficking, but uh, really for an extensive 
understanding and resource, the best place to go would be the parent guides, which we'll talk more about later, some of the resources that A21 offers. Um, But I think the biggest thing is just having that conversation with your child and knowing how to bring that up in a way that's age appropriate, that makes sense for their format. So are they going to school? Are they participating in after school programs? Talking to them about safe and unsafe friendships and relationships and um talking about trust and secrets what's information that um you should always tell your parent who are safe people in your life and in your world Um, how do you express a concern if you see something in a classmate or a friend how do you go about sharing that concern in a way that's going to make sense and um, i think that communication part is just the biggest thing opening that open line of communication for you and your children and in your home but then also helping them know who else in their world is a safe person to share concerns with and of course just having healthy boundaries when it comes to uh, where they go and who they see and even as uncomfortable as it can be talking about what is safe touch what is unsafe touch what is a red flag Uh, you hope that your children are never in this situation we hope that they never are but even so we hope that they are aware of this so that even if they have a friend they know how to encourage their friends to seek help if they need to. Yeah, that's good. Giving them that empowerment. Mm -hmm. I know just as a parent myself, um, you know, we have daughters that, um, even, even our sons. So we, we talk a lot about, you know, what's, what's appropriate. And we have a kind of a saying is, you know, when somebody tells you to stop, you stop the first time. And that applies to your siblings, to your parents, your friends. Um, you should, you should be able to have your boundaries respected. And so even just that, that simple little phrase that we talk about, frequently in our home, you know, just trying to help them understand what healthy boundaries look like. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to talking a little bit later in this episode about, about the resources you have. So you have so many great resources on a 21. Um, so I think it's going to be really useful for our listeners as well. So to jump back into the, um, the sex trafficking a little bit, um, as women, obviously that's, that's where we see it the most, the sex trafficking. So, um, what what can we do to stay more on guard and be a little bit mm-hmm. more aware so that we can be, you know, like I said, more on guard for our mm-hmm. own safety? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to know that old saying, like, knowledge is power. I really do think knowledge is power, and having awareness is the biggest first step that you can take, whether that is educational awareness to know what does human trafficking look like? How does it happen? Where is it happening? That is going to help in a huge way just to help you have that sensitivity to safe and unsafe situations. Um, being mindful of relationships and their development. A lot of times what we see as one of the ways that human trafficking occurs is through a method called the lover boy tactic. And that may be a romantic relationship or it could be a friendship. Someone that creates this friendship or this relationship and um, Um, at some point in that relationship maybe introduces this idea of um, trading sex for goods or for work or for whatever Um, and so that can be kind of tricky because it's it's happening through someone that you feel like you can trust someone who is communicating that they love you that they're going to take care of you that this is going to supply the needs that maybe you and your family have and so I think even just being mindful of your relationships how they're developing and um, we have another resource that kind of outlines some red flags in relationships of when maybe it is kind of crossing the line into a controlling situation and I think it's also important just to have the hotline number saved in your phone or even the domestic violence hotline saved in your phone so that 
heaven forbid, if you or someone you know needs that resource, you have it readily available. So I think when it comes to us as women, just being aware and that's being physically, situationally aware, it's being relationally aware, and it's just being educationally aware as well so that you're just equipped to respond to whatever situation you might find yourself in. Yeah, that's good. When One of my other favorite podcasts is Crime Junkie, and they always say that they're one of their biggest life roles is be weird, be rude, stay alive. So like, it's okay to be rude to somebody. Mm-hmm. If you are getting the vibe, trust, trust your gut. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're getting a vibe that you don't like, it's okay to be rude to somebody mm-hmm. and do what you have to do to stay safe. Um, so I think that that's really important. Cause I am, I'm a people pleaser myself. So I always have a hard time, like just being rude to somebody, you know, even if they're giving totally. me the, the ickies. So, and I think um, just I not think okay. allowing yourself to not be isolated as well. I think that's mm-hmm. something that we see is um, if there's a relationship that is pushing you further away from your community, your family, your friends, that's a big red flag. Um, mm-hmm. If you're starting to kind of be isolated in any kind of relationship, and maybe that relationship does not lead to human trafficking, but that is just kind of a red flag in general that this relationship right. might be damaging. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Uh, great advice there. Um, so what are, are there any specific areas that you're seeing these crimes take place specifically? Yes and no. So it, human trafficking is a lot more widespread than I think we give the problem credit for. So this is not something that is just happening in a foreign country or in a red light district or um, in an area that has a lot of poverty. This is something that we're seeing happening all over the world in a variety of neighborhoods, a variety of communities. Uh, The problem is complex and the individuals involved are complex as well. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest myths about human trafficking. And I mean, a lot of us, for me, the first time I was introduced to this idea of human trafficking was in the movie Taken when you see Liam Neeson you know busting down doors and going to get his daughter back and while that does happen from time to time while kidnapping is one of the tactics that is used like we've been talking about it really is more relational even so and so I think um, that's just a big myth that's helpful to understand and kind of wrap your mind around with human trafficking is that it is happening across socioeconomic boundaries and geographic boundaries and like I've said the hope is that the more individuals we can make aware of the reality of human trafficking and the solution related the less communities that this is going to be happening in and something we talk about when we refer to human trafficking is that it's often hidden in plain sight so the more people we can make aware of it the more obvious hopefully it becomes and those that are involved are able to get the help that they need yeah and that's great I mean it, the fact that it is happening in, in plain sight uh, was not something that I realized. Um, you know, after you and I spoke the first time, I went and I read um, the book In Pursuit of Love, which is by Rebecca Bender, who is a survivor, um, who hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to mm-hmm. on this podcast. I hope um, so. But she, she was, you know, out at the grocery store with her daughter. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you didn't know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, you know, because you, mm-hmm. like you said, you expect it to be the scenario like from the movie taken where you just kidnapped and thrown into a life of sex trafficking and it is not always that way um that that lover boy method is something that that will take a little bit more time to get into Mm -hmm. once we get a chance to talk to rebecca um but that is probably the most prominent right like that's where you see it the most because they just kind of manipulate yeah absolutely absolutely so um so i guess in that respect, how once once somebody is trafficked, 
um, you know, whether it's the lover boy method, whether it's like the movie taken, how are they keeping their victims from escaping? Mm -hmm. Because, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've spoken with people about some of the findings after doing the research on this. And I have to be honest, there's some people who have said, and I may have even been guilty of it myself in the past is like, well, they, why don't they just do something and get out of that lifestyle? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it really is just not, uh, just not as easy or straightforward Mm -hmm. as that. So, um, what are they doing? to keep people from skating? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that that's an important question to ask. And the number one thing that any survivor in human trafficking, or most, I shouldn't say any, but if most survivors of human trafficking share, the one characteristic is vulnerability. So traffickers become experts on preying on some vulnerable aspect of an individual's life. And so in that situation, in some ways, the trafficker is trying to meet or to that need that an individual has and so sometimes that can be what keeps someone as we've spoken about before sometimes it's relational it's that there are genuine relationships with these traffickers and so that is complex and that is complicated and so um, they may have felt at one time or another like a true friend or like a true uh, partner or a true even kind of in that odd sense of a family member they're just someone that has been present for the this individual's life they also have knowledge about this individual that a lot of others don't know and that can be controlling and so we talk about force um, sometimes that's a way that an individual will try to keep someone in a situation and um, that's the brute force that you would imagine and then there's also coercion just trying to uh, manipulate and to twist and to change things um And sometimes it's through fraud. So sometimes it's telling something that's not true or painting a picture of a reality that is not true. And all of these things are um, sometimes physical, sometimes they're emotional, and sometimes they're psychological. And so it really is kind of warfare on all of those fronts for someone who's in this situation uh, that can keep them bound in where they're at. And so that's, again, why awareness is huge because the more people that you can make aware of not only how this happens but what it looks like, Um, the more it is uh, not taboo to talk about I'm in a situation that feels kind of weird or I don't really know uh, what to make of this friendship and how it's changing. So that's kind of the biggest way that we see traffickers keep individuals kind of in their um, control. Yeah, and I know a lot of times there's abuse that Mm -hmm. is kind of like wrapped into this too, Uh, like domestic violence type situations. And, you know, if you know anything about domestic violence, it's when you leave is the most dangerous time, which doesn't really motivate someone to leave, you know? Mm -hmm. So that makes it even scarier for that person, I think, who's already kind of feeling like, how do I get out of this situation? So, you know, it is scary um, to think of it that way. Um, So if any of our listeners, God forbid, if any of our listeners were ever to find themselves um, being trafficked, do you have any tips about what they should do or how they Mm -hmm. can escape safely? Yeah, our, our number one thing would always be if you're able to call and contact 911, if you're able to okay. do that, to receive assistance. Um, A21 is often able to partner with local authorities in different countries and here in the U.S. And um, we're proud that there's also a huge movement of law enforcement becoming more aware of what human trafficking looks like and how to help individuals who are caught in that cycle. And so that would be our first recommendation is if you're able to call 911. 
do so if that feels too risky. Another great resource is the Human Trafficking Hotline, which I'm sure we'll include in the show yes, notes. Absolutely. Um, but that that hotline number that you're able to contact them through call, text, email. There are a lot of different ways to contact that hotline um, in a way that would feel safe for you okay. and and would not maybe put you in as much danger. And then we actually list uh, a variety of numbers and different trafficking human trafficking hotlines on our website at a21.org/report. And so that's okay. a great resource to keep in mind as well. Say you are in a different country or you're aware of something happening in a different country. That's kind of a one-stop shop for knowing where to take that first step. And then on the other end of those hotlines are trained professionals. So they're not going to encourage you to do something that is going to immediately put you at risk. They're going to provide options. They're going to provide resources that will help you make the best decision that you can in that moment. And um, they obviously are qualified to make sure that that's happening in a safe way. Okay. Um, So just, you know, we are definitely going to include this in the show notes, but also mm-hmm. I just wanted to take a, a second here to um, to kind of make note of what that hotline number is. Um, it's 888-373-7888. And as Nikki mentioned, um, A21 is the letter A, number 21.org. So if you ever yes. need just to, to look up their resources, um, that's how you can find them. But um, I, I think that tip is so great to just save it. I've already saved it in my phone after our conversation (laughs) because I think that that's something I never really thought of. So I think that's great advice there. Um, So specifically with demographics, are there anything um, real quick just that that you're seeing any specific demographics that are being targeted Mm -hmm. for this kind of trafficking? Yeah, like we talked about, I mean, I think the number one common denominator is vulnerability, and that Mm -hmm. vulnerability can be expressed in a lot of different ways. So for some individuals, you're born into a situation, um, maybe you're born into a broken home where there's abuse or neglect, or uh, maybe you're deprived of basic education, and those factors can amplify an an individual's vulnerability to um, being taken advantage of or to potentially being trafficked. They don't have um, maybe that community that's a safety net to help prevent them from being in a relationship that could be dangerous. There are some victims uh, that stumble into it. Maybe it's the loss of the job, the end of a relationship, Mm -hmm. health issues, natural disasters, um, people who are living in extreme poverty. That is all something that can contribute to uh, a scenario where maybe there is someone who tries to take advantage of that situation. And then with that, of course, refugees are another very vulnerable population that we see Um, individuals take Mm -hmm. advantage of because they are looking for a place to live they're looking for a job they're looking for uh, just those basic necessities to keep a roof over their head and their family's head and so those are situations where we have seen trafficking take place as well and so it's kind of this weird issue where maybe it's a vulnerability uh, situation that you were born into like a situation or a family or community or maybe it's something that you've fallen into and so that's why we really feel like this awareness message uh, is for anyone and everyone who's willing to listen. Okay. Um, and now we've mentioned some of the resources that are available mm-hmm. and I love that there's so much available, but, um, you know, putting myself in the shoes of that person, how would they even know that it was available? How mm-hmm. are you kind of getting the word out so that they know that yeah. they have these resources? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the movement. That's the whole anti-trafficking movement is to make this information as readily available as possible. So uh, there are programs that we and other organizations are introducing to schools so that in the public school system that children are just made aware of what this is, what this could look like, how this works. Um, We have this huge campaign called Can You See Me? where we're placing billboards in a variety of states and countries that have the trafficking hotline on it as well as kind of this call out message for anyone who might see it or might know anyone and in those situations we're also depicting what this might look like so like we said it doesn't always look like the movie taken and so just trying to show some realistic scenarios these are also in video and print and so we're on our side we're just trying to get that message out there as much as possible into communities so that if this awareness information can infiltrate those communities then individuals who are at risk can find uh, resources as quickly as possible and so um, there's just a lot of even outside of a21 we really believe in partnership there are a lot of local uh, anti-trafficking organizations that are doing amazing work and so I would say if there's anyone who's listening to this and maybe you live in a city or a state and you're just curious to know if anyone is doing anything uh, I would bet that there probably is someone who has actually already started this work so just to google your city your state your you know wherever you're at and then anti-human trafficking work and just to kind of build those contacts because I really feel like the change is going to come from the more that we're able to get this message out and so it starts with one person who tells another person who ends up telling a community and a church and a school and so it really goes that way and a podcast you know maybe it's a podcast and so there's that I mean that really makes a huge huge difference um more than I think we would ever know so having those phone numbers saved and so um If there's an individual who's already in a human trafficking situation, we do offer restoration services as well. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But A21, as well as other organizations, do offer support for someone who is in a situation. So for the individual listening to this, it's just knowing those resources and having them ready so that you're able to share them if if you have that ability. Yeah, that's awesome. Even if you're not in the situation to like mm-hmm. where you are being mm-hmm. trafficked to know that there are resources available yes. in case yes. you encounter anything. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's really great advice. Um, so now on the flip side, are you seeing an increase in men being trafficked? Yeah, so we are seeing an increase for sure. I think that human trafficking keeps adapting and changing um, to the political landscape, to the economic landscape, to, um, I mean, even just coming through a global pandemic, uh, you would hope that maybe that would mean that, you know, the business is shut down, but unfortunately there was a pivot. There was a change that happened. And so, yes, we are seeing an increase in men being trafficked, not only in labor trafficking, but also in sex trafficking in the same way that we are also seeing um, the rise of children being trafficked as well. And COVID obviously has affected a lot of those things Mm -hmm. as well. So, um, was there anything specifically that you hadn't already touched on that COVID has really affected as far as human trafficking? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with COVID, um, there was there was a big change that happened. There was kind of a shift and we saw that traffickers changed their format. They changed kind of mm-hmm. the way that they were approaching um, individuals, which was really difficult. Um, and there yeah. were kind of five ways that we saw this change happen. One of them is that the vulnerability piece that we've already talked about, mm-hmm. that increased. So if you're talking about losing jobs, I mean, just the sheer number 
number of people yeah. worldwide who lost jobs. Um, and now that's creating an opportunity where people are looking for work and that could yeah. lead to a false job offer. There was increased online exploitation as well. So we saw individuals um, just being targeted a lot more directly online because we all were spending so much more time online yeah. on our phones virtually. And then, like I said, traffickers changed their tactics. So they started leveraging social media and gaming platforms to recruit individuals a little bit more. And then another thing that was really hard about the pandemic is that we saw a decrease in victim identification. So children were not in schools as much. Um, People were not at work as much. So maybe you have someone who's done their diligence to know the signs of trafficking, but they're not seeing people as much. So that was something that was difficult. Isolating the victims a little bit. Yes. And then there was just an increased vulnerability to re-victimization. So maybe there had been someone Mm -hmm. who had come out of a human trafficking situation, but now they're finding themselves without a job or um, in a a hard place. And so they know that this environment it was hard but it's familiar and so in some ways it's easier to turn back to that because at least it's known and so and there was so much unknown that was due to the pandemic so those were kind of the big things that we saw happen with uh, COVID and its effect on human trafficking just crazy yeah to think about I know (laughs) um you know something like an illness that can just affect Mm -hmm. so many different facets of life and you know for someone to have to end up back in an, yeah. an abuse situation or yeah. enter an abusive situation just because, you know, desperate times. So circling back to A21 specifically, mm-hmm. um, I'd love to talk about what what role your organization plays in the rescue and rehabilitation process. Yes. So you've heard me talk a ton already on this podcast about the awareness piece. That's kind right. of the first arm of A21, which is reach. We're just trying to reach as many people as we possibly can with real information about what trafficking looks like, as well as what to do if you or someone you know find yourselves in a trafficking situation. Uh, the second thing that A21 is involved with is rescue. And while we are not actively going into a trafficking situation and pulling victims out, what we do instead is we partner with local local law enforcement in doing those trainings and those identifications and then we are on site and ready to assist in any type of situation that happens and so that's kind of what that rescue piece looks like and then as well as restore this is something I'm really proud of what A21 does is that we're trying to offer whatever services an individual needs to get the independence that they need in their life and so that's always the goal is to give a survivor um, whatever kind of support they need to build that life on their own. And so if we can reduce that vulnerability by providing medical resources, community resources, education, transportation, housing, those types of things, we're seeing a lot less victims step back into human trafficking situations. And so kind of what that looks like practically is we have something called the Freedom Center. And we have Freedom Centers here in the U.S. as well as Freedom Centers abroad. And in these Freedom Centers, they're day drop-in centers. So they're available and open 
for survivors of human trafficking to come if they just need to use a computer, if they just need safe place, if they are receiving counseling and follow-up services. That's what those Freedom Centers are for. And it's really cool because I've seen that our Freedom Centers adapt to their community specifically. So whatever that specific community needs is what that Freedom Center will offer. We also have something called the Child Advocacy Center. And that is uh, something that I think your listeners would be especially interested in is whenever you have a child who is involved in a human trafficking situation, um, unfortunately, the biggest piece of evidence is the story and the testimony and um, kind of those details of what happened, which is really, really awful in any situation, but specifically with children. And so we've created this thing called the Child Advocacy Center, where we have professionals who are trained in how to have these really tough conversations in a way that is safe for the child, in a way that's comfortable for the child. They're not just being pulled into a room that's, you know, cold and scary and, you know, you know, echoey, you know, coming into a place that is warm and comfortable and there's someone taking care of you while you're having these hard conversations. That's another way that we've been able to help. And then, uh, like I said, just partnering with governments and just making the government officials and law enforcement aware of what this really looks like and how this plays out so that they can be an ally and a resource for anyone who's in need of help. That's awesome. Y'all are doing some, some really great work. Um, you know, providing those kind of resources for people who, who are in a rehabilitation situation. I just can't even yeah. imagine the kids that come out of this, you know, as adults, we're a little bit more equipped, but for kids, I'm sure that having to go through all that is difficult. So I think that that's wonderful that you have those mm-hmm. resources available for them yeah. so that they come into a safe environment instead of having to right. almost like be a little re-traumatized uh, yeah traumatized yeah. that's the word mm-hmm. I was going to say victimized mm-hmm. but traumatized makes more a little more sense yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that's really wonderful mm-hmm. work that y'all are doing so um you know we've really covered a lot of ground today but um there's no that we when, at this point there's just no way that we can sit back and turn a blind eye to this huge problem uh, Tammy and I have done you know really gone down that rabbit hole and Mm -hmm. done a lot of research and learned so much more than we ever imagined we would about human trafficking. Um, So now I would just like to take a a chance to really talk about the resources available for our listeners. So just Mm -hmm. because you're not being Mm -hmm. trafficked, if you are, you know, the resources available to you um, through this podcast, we'll have stuff in the show notes for that. Um, We've talked about a lot of it, but let's talk about the role for for the rest of us. Um, You know, how do we How do we try to put an end to this, just even starting in our own homes? So 821 has some amazing resources, and we've mentioned it before already in the podcast. Um, And our podcast here is to raise awareness. It's one of the biggest goals of our podcast and to educate our audience um, on important issues like this. So can you just tell me a little bit more about the info guides? And we're going to provide that in the show notes as Mm -hmm. well. So um, if you don't mind just kind of talking a little bit about that, uh, maybe start with safe employment. Yes, yes. I mean, the the number one thing I would say is uh, if you have any questions, if you have any curiosities, if you just want to learn more, a21.org is the place to go. And we'll, like you said, these will be linked out specifically right. in the show notes. However, um, that's kind of your, your go-to, your starting place for any of these things. But one of the resources that we've developed is called a safe employment guide. And the safe employment guide is so helpful because it helps you identify what some red flags might be 
if you are looking for a job. This is something that's so important right now as we are still recovering from the effects of the global pandemic and people are looking for jobs and trying to re-engage with the workforce. Knowing what those red flags might be to a false job offer or to something that, you know, good questions that you might ask Mm -hmm. if you're in a situation where um, you are looking for work. So I think that's really important. Uh, Another thing is just um, knowing how to hold on to the documents that you have and knowing when to share those documents with a future employer and when to hold on to those. That's another important thing. So the Safe Employment Guide will kind of lay the groundwork for the basics of labor trafficking, but then also delve into some of the specifics for what to do if you or someone is concerned that that could be occurring. Uh, some of the other stuff that I noticed in that guide, and there's, you know, I'm just pulling a couple um, tidbits from it. Definitely take a chance to go onto their website and read through this stuff. But um, you mentioned holding on to your documents and making copies of those documents mm-hmm. too, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, traffickers can actually take those documents from you and hold on to them and, and make it impossible for you to, to go anywhere, to get back home wherever, you know, um, wherever you need to go. They also mentioned creating a safe word so that your family is aware if you're in danger. Um, I think that is an important thing to do anyway. It's not something I've done with my family yet, but something I plan on, um, I'm kind of sitting down with our family, just coming up with that kind of a safe word, because, you know, especially with kids, they maybe don't know how to communicate things or, you know, if there is a bad person in their life, they don't, they don't know how to do that. So I think that that's a a really Mm -hmm. great way to, um, to get kids a little more comfortable with talking whenever there's something or, you know, letting you know that something's just not right, but definitely Doing your research. Um, That's a common thing that you're going to read through there. Um, Know where you're going. Learn um, key phrases. Um, If the language is not, is is foreign to you, you know, learning key phrases like where's the police station or please help me. Those are important things, not just like where's the bathroom, right? You know, that's what you, when you go to a foreign place, (laughs) you you learn things like where's the bathroom. Um, Those are also very important um, phrases to kind of learn to help yourself if you were to, God forbid, get into any danger, Mm -hmm. trafficking or otherwise. Just one more question on the safe employment and then we Mm -hmm. can jump into safe relationships. Um, what are some of the work conditions of someone being trafficked for employment? Yeah, so a few of the red flags or kind of indicators that a job might not be safe is if you are offered a job without clear explanation of the conditions of your work, uh, if your identification documents are taken from you, if you are offered a job by a stranger and you don't really, you can't put together a lot of the details associated with that work, uh, if you're forced to sleep in the same place as your employment, that is a red flag as well, or if you're forced to do work that you didn't initially agree with. Those are a few of them, and we have a whole list in that guide. But those are a couple things, as well as I think a big one is that if you're not allowed to talk to your family or friends, that is a really big red flag that you might be in an unsafe situation for your work. All right, well, let's jump on to safe relationships then. Um, Mm -hmm. Your safe relationships guide um, talks about prevention for kids and teens. Um, Why don't you tell me a little bit about that guide? Yeah, so the Safe Relationships Guide, I would say it's actually the guide that I am the most proud of that we've developed because uh, as we've talked about in this podcast, there is a huge relational element to human trafficking that's maybe underexplored. And so the Safe Relationships Guide, um, we have one that is also focused for 
kids and teens and knowing Mm -hmm. just how to navigate safe relationships and set up good boundaries if you are if you are a parent or if you are a child or a teen that's looking to do that Um, and I think just knowing how to have those conversations again like we've talked about who is a safe person to share information with who is not um, how do you recognize when someone is becoming controlling when that relationship is starting to shift and to change how do you ask for help who do you ask for help from and a big thing with this is that uh, we've noticed that you know relationships are huge for all of us but especially when you're in high school and you're trying to build those relationships we've actually put together a school curriculum for educators called bodies are not commodities that um, covers a variety of topics related to human trafficking where we're looking and having these sessions that really explore the basics of human trafficking what this might look like and as an educator what you can look like what you can look for in your classrooms as well yeah and you know what I actually watched a little bit of the intro video for that um what I found super interesting in that was that they talk about how kids are being targeted as as victims obviously I mean that's an obvious one but then they also mentioned how they're targeting children to be perpetrators um I never it just never occurred to me that that, you know, I guess they do have to groom the next successors in this absolutely god awful business. Um, absolutely. So, you know, they're being groomed to be trafficked. They're being groomed to be perpetrators. Um, so do your resources also include information for potential victimizers? Yes, we do. That is something that we cover in a few of our guides and in some different areas just to help. Um, I think the more that you know about that control piece and kind of all the factors that go into why that control happens and what that can look like, I think that can be a very helpful indicator for someone who might even be in that middle role, like you talked about, in a trafficking situation. And so, um, A lot of these basics related to relationships and safety and employment and such could really kind of be carried into that realm as well. Um, Do you feel like schools specifically, since we're talking about curriculum, um, is it a topic that they're kind of shying away from or do you think they're becoming more open to adopting curriculum that raises awareness around human trafficking? We've been encouraged. We've seen school systems really be open and be uh, kind of wanting to develop some more resources for this. And so it, again, is an uncomfortable, it's a tough conversation topic. It's a tough mm-hmm. um, situation kind of to navigate, especially when you're navigating that with a variety of different children who come from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. families. But we've been encouraged in seeing schools adopting some of the curriculum. So, and we're hopeful to yeah. see that happening even more. Yeah. No, I mean, I think... I, I hope my kids, at, at by the yeah. time they're of age to do that, that that it's something that they're talking more about in schools because, you know, if you don't know what happens, then yeah. how are you going to protect yourself against it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things when I was reading the Safe Relationships Guides that kind of caught me off guard is that there's a whole list in there about places that kids are most vulnerable for being trafficked. Mm-hmm. And one, mm-hmm. of the, one of the things on that list was friend's house. Mm-hmm. Um. God, that's just so scary. So I think that that maybe is where that whole safe word comes into play. Um, you know, and parents just vetting other parents, mm-hmm. you know, not just mm-hmm. letting your kid go over to somebody else's house. But, you know, there is there any other way that you can, you know, suggest to protect your kid in those situations or things to be aware of? 
I think, again, like we've talked about, creating that open line of communication between your, you and your child for them to know that if they're ever in any kind of situation that feels odd, it feels uncomfortable, it feels unsafe, that they know that they're able to tell you that and that they're able to reach out to you and that, you know, you create that trust between them so that they feel comfortable sharing in a situation where they might feel unsafe. Um, I know we've talked about creating a safe word. That's helpful. Um, and again, just knowing, having that ability to ask questions of where your children is going to know who they're going to be with who's going to be there as much as you can uh, I know it's a fine line I'm not a parent myself but I can imagine it's a fine line of not wanting to be over controlling but also to be aware and so I think just really having as much information as you can to make the best choice that you can with your children yeah I especially this day and age you just think about like uh, you know, kind of a <laughs> silly story, but my, my grandmother, um, her youngest son, my uncle, there was a, this is a funny story that they always tell that at one point she left him, you know, out in the front yard to get fresh air, um, in his playpen and it started snowing. <laughs> no, so he's like out in the front lawn with all the snow on him, but he's out in the front lawn in a playpen. And that was just so totally normal. I mean, you can't even imagine yeah. like, um, all but putting a low jack on my kids these days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, don't, I know. we don't let them yeah. do anything without knowing where they I are know. because it's just, there's just yeah. so much vulnerability there. Um, yeah, definitely. So uh, the last thing I want to touch on when it comes to safe relationships is that, you know, college age students. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with the younger kids, we have a little bit more of a grasp on what they're doing mm-hmm. and yep. being more responsible for their actions. But when they go off to college, it's it's up to them. So obviously like we've talked mm-hmm. about with the communication and things like that, it's it's a good line of communication, something to really think about talking mm-hmm. to your college students about since they're going to be away from home for the first time, things to be aware of, um, mm-hmm. and kind of how to navigate that so that they don't, aren't left vulnerable in situations like this. Absolutely. I mean, for them to be aware of the indicators, not just for themselves, but for their friends, for their classmates, for their roommates, for people who live in their dorms, just to have that awareness. And we've also been encouraged by that. We've seen a lot of college students really uh, take ownership over this information and wanting to make sure that their campuses and their communities are safe. And so I think if you have a child who is about to be in high school or is about to be in college, it's not only um, time for them to know about this for themselves but actually if they want to get involved and be a part of the movement and helping eradicate this and abolish slavery everywhere forever they can do that too and having that ability to join into the anti-human trafficking movement um, helps of course spread the information but then it gets embedded into them even deeper so that's something that's been really cool that we've seen with even a lot of our staff that are on our team now it started for them in high school or college where they were raising awareness or they were just getting involved and learning more about it and so I think that that's a good place to start too yeah yeah absolutely well I I think that that's definitely encouraging to see that more schools and organizations are adopting awareness Mm -hmm. on this um because we're we can't make the change unless there's more education on it um okay so let's talk about digital safety a little bit so um in the digital safety guide there is um a visual of some text message exchanges um between um, a teenager and, mm-hmm. and a, a potential perpetrator. Um, obviously this kid does not know that they're speaking with somebody who is not another kid, you know, or somebody mm-hmm. their age, 
so we're just going to read through this exchange so you can kind of hear what it is so mm-hmm. that maybe you can get a little bit of insight as to what your kids would be experiencing if it was them having the same exchange. Mm-hmm. All right. Your vids are amazing. Ha ha. How old are you? 13. You? 13? You don't look 13. I thought you were like 16. I'm 17. LOL. Yeah, I get that all the time. What are you up to? At school, super bored. You? What school do you go to? The one by the baseball field? Yeah, that one. Where do you go? I'm super bored in class, too. The hoodie you're wearing in that video is so cool. Yeah, I know. I stole it from my classmate. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it looks better on you. Haha, <laughs> thanks. You're welcome. Now you've got to send me a pic, though. Okay, but so do you. And then he sends a picture, and she sends a picture. Lots of emojis exchanged there. Um, and I think that that's one of the way that, ways that perpetrators kind of get down on their levels using, um, you know, not proper grammar and using lots of emojis as they're exchanging. So jumping back to mm-hmm. the exchange, um, he texts her again. Hey, yeah. Hey, I was actually thinking of you. Haha, ha, really? Aw, you thought of me. Just because I was recording some more videos at school. LOL. While you're at school? That's cool. How's your day going, by the way? And just not having the best day. Why? Trouble with my parents. Yeah, I feel ya. That's why I just don't listen to them. You want to know what'll make you feel better? What? A video call from me. I'll call you in five minutes. Five minutes goes by. Sorry, my camera isn't working, but the mic is. At least I can see you. And then you see that the video chat has started and that uh, the perpetrator took a screenshot and the video chat ended. And so then um, the role that I'm playing says, what? You are actually recording me? You can't send this to anyone. Oh, it's too late. Dot, dot, dot. So, you know, I think there's a lot of red flags in here. Obviously, as adults, you know, we could probably pick them out pretty easily. But the kids, they just think they're talking to another child or another peer somebody their Mm -hmm. age and um you know they're flattering them they kind of dodge questions in there you know when she asks him what school he goes to he dodges the question and um one of the most concerning things to me especially as a parent is that this this girl um it happens to be a girl in this situation um she she answers this question like oh what school do you go to is it the one by the baseball field yeah that's the one so now he's positioned it in a way that you know, makes her more comfortable, like, oh, he's got to be my age, he knows, you know, the school, whatever, and here she is giving out what school she goes to, Mm -hmm. and just makes him, makes herself super vulnerable Mm -hmm. to being trafficked, Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of red flags that we can pick out there, but, um, you know, any tips that I think that we can give them, um, like, not giving out any personal information, answering things, uh, like we talked about, the do not you know, what school do you go to? Just things like that. You just don't, mm-hmm. don't realize that somebody could pull that kind of information. And the same goes for like being on TikTok. Like I personally, yeah, I hate TikTok <laughs> as far as, especially with it when it comes to kids. I know that there's a lot of really good benefits marketing wise to it, but when it comes to the kids, um, you know, you could have something like in our, in my video, right now, you know, as we're talking, you could see something in the background of my video for the school that my kid goes to, which it's not there, but just, you never know what somebody could pull the information out of and figure out where you are and come in and grab you, you know? So just 
have those conversations, those hard conversations with your kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of the moral of the story with this. Talk to them about safe texting. Talk to them about, um, you know, what it looks like when somebody's trying to fish for information from you. Absolutely. We have uh, A21 produced another video. Um, We call it our secrets film. And so you can look for it on YouTube. And it kind of tells a story similar to this where there was a young girl who was being reached out to through her social media. They uh, tapped into things that she loved and kind of what was going on in her life. And um, it's interesting when you watch the video, you realize that a lot of what she was receiving was not that out of the ordinary. It's nothing that you wouldn't hear from a friend the difference was that she didn't know this friend that they were someone who she had never met and so uh, I think that's just important to you know pay attention to and to have that conversation ahead of time with your children so that they can just be aware and it's hard because we can't be in every gaming platform or in every texting conversation Um, but having awareness where you can uh, about if your child is into gaming and knowing does that platform have a chat feature and just being aware of where um, these connections could be happening is really important. Yeah. And I think this kind of trafficking has been going on for a long time. Um, You know, I'll share something that leaves me a little bit vulnerable myself. But um, when I was a teenager, AOL was really big. I don't know if all of our listeners are going to even know what AOL is, uh, the original internet. But chat rooms were really, really big back then. And I met someone through a chat room just virtually. And he and I went back and forth. And he had one picture. I remember back then it was just one picture. I never saw another picture of him. But there were several times that he tried to convince me to meet up with him. And then like we would Mm -hmm. chat back and forth and things like that. And Um, I was very naive and I had planned on going and meeting up with this guy and my friend was going to come with me and her mom caught wind of it and was like, you are over my dead body. You are not going to go meet this (laughs) guy. You will not come back alive. And, um, I'm so grateful to this day that she even, that she was aware of it and, Mm -hmm. um, pulled us back from doing it because I know like without a doubt, I would have been trafficked that day looking back on it Mm -hmm. and, I was just naive and there's plenty of kids out there that are very naive, which leaves them vulnerable as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there's awareness around this stuff. I had no idea what traffic, that it was even a thing back then, you know, I was right, safe in my right. little bubble. So right. uh, there's probably plenty of kids out there that still feel the same way today, even yeah. though they have more exposure to this stuff. Right. I mean, I think technology is developing at such a rapid rate that our awareness and our safety is having to develop at a similar rate. And sometimes it can feel like there's a little bit of a lag. And so Mm -hmm. just even being aware of the main platforms that are being used, how do they work? What is this like? is just a really helpful benefit for any parent who is parenting a teen in today's age. Yeah. All right. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about resources for children then. Mm -hmm. Um, I like how you guys talk about setting healthy boundaries and, you know, what does this look like as a parent? How do we go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, that's the million dollar question, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you do this in a way that um, is is effective with your child, but is not limiting them in any way? And so I will give the caveat, I think that this looks different in every home, in mm-hmm. every situation. Um, but again, a lot of this is what we've already kind of covered is having those conversations with your children, um, having them at an age appropriate level, but still addressing the realities of um, kind of what this could look like. 
I know that you mentioned that in your home uh, that you like to make sure that when someone says no, you stop the first time. I think those very basic practices of knowing what is safe, what is unsafe, what is pushing a boundary, I think that's really, really important. And um, just having that ability to have some very clear boundaries that are set, even if that is with safe and unsafe touch, safe and unsafe adults, um, situations like that. I mean, that can, those conversations can be had at a very young age Mm -hmm. and can continue as the child grows and then the conversation can grow as well as they mature. Yeah. And I think that's important, not just for trafficking, but, you know, children who could potentially end up in um, sexually abusive situations and, you know, the threats that they're given, like, you know, tell somebody and I'll kill your parents or something like that, that they, they prey on vulnerabilities that we've been talking about, um, you know, to let the kids know that it does, if somebody says that, and we've had these conversations with our kids too, you know, if somebody says to you, I'm going to kill your parents, if you tell somebody, whatever I'm saying or doing, um, don't listen to them. They're lying. If they were going to kill us, they were going to kill us already. And that you, you tell us, it does not matter what they have said. You don't need to protect us. It's our job to protect you. Um, which, you know, I think for kids to feel like they could be responsible for something like that is horrifying, but that's why they use it. Right. You know, those are the tactics. Um, and one of the resources that a 21 has for children and talking to them are your comic books, which, Mm -hmm. um, Gosh, I would never would have thought about doing something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. for the younger kids that um, you yeah. know, maybe just don't really get mm-hmm. it yet. And they probably won't get it right away either. Um, but it's a, it's a really great resource. Um, I've read through both of them. They're designed for children in at-risk communities. And they're published in five different languages. And um, they have three different topics, forced begging, um, labor, and sex trafficking. So mm-hmm. those are some great Absolutely. resources to even just go. I can't remember. I don't think there's any words to them, right? It's just all pictures. I don't think so. It's mostly graphics. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, for kids, that's that's a way that they will definitely absorb information. Yeah. So um, if you're having trouble talking to them or figuring out how to do that, print out those little comic books. They're like five right. or six pages. It's not much. Print them out. Show them to your kids. It might be a, mm-hmm. a good way to open the conversation. Yeah. Um, so I think we are almost to the end of our hour here, but, um, there is a course on human trafficking on your website as well. Mm -hmm. It's about an hour. And if someone was to click on that, what can they expect to learn through that hour? Yeah, so they would cover some of the topics that we've had in this conversation. What is human trafficking? How does it happen? Where does it happen? What are indications that someone might be in an unsafe situation? How do I make a report if I see something suspicious or if I have concerns? Um, how do I develop safe relationships, unsafe relationships? So that one-hour course is going to really just kind of dig into this topic of human trafficking. And the goal is that by the end of that one hour, the individual who's participated in that course would have a much greater understanding of what human trafficking is, how it works, and the role that they can play in the prevention and the restoration for survivors. Awesome. Well, Nikki, that is all the questions that I have for you today, but I am so grateful that you've taken the time to sit down and chat with us, um, give us the insight, and man, A21 has some seriously invaluable resources out there. Go ahead and check it out in our show notes. Um, We have the information down there. Um, Do you want me to provide your email contact, or do you want me to just send them straight to? Yeah, just info at A21.org is a great resource, so I-N-F-O at 
a21.org is okay. amazing. Uh, we have an incredible team who is available and able to answer questions, whether that is as an educator, a parent, an individual, if you want to get involved, if you just have specific questions, um, they're going to be able to really cover all of that ground. Okay. And um, A21's main office is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but they mm -hmm. have locations in 19 different countries. So it's an international yeah. organization. Um and they do some really super great work. So they do have, it's a non-for-profit, right? So mm -hmm. um, if you even wanted to just go on and donate, there is mm -hmm. an option to do that on their website as well. Um, and before we sign off here, I actually am probably going to catch you off guard on this, but Nikki has her That's own okay. podcast. I do. <laughs> so I do. Support one another. Um, yes. you know, I'd love to give you an opportunity to just chat about your podcast and see if we yeah. get you some more followers. So um, tell me yeah. a little bit about what you have going on on your podcast. Yeah, sure. I think that um, I think that you know, there's the compliment of salty and sweet. I think our podcast would probably be that. Your podcast is kind of digging into some of the hard and the realities of the things that um, we need to look at. And then my podcast is kind of looking at the opposite side of that, more of the the end of that story. So, how did people come through these difficult situations, and what did that hope look like? What have they learned? Um, so, the podcast is called More with Nikki Dutton, and it's just an, an exploration of the things in our life that kind of bring that light to our life. And a lot of that light does come from hard situations, mm -hmm. um, from situations where someone has navigated something unimaginable. And so we just kind of explore that together. And so, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's called More with Nikki Dutton. Okay, we'll put the information in the show yeah. notes as well. And again, Nikki, thank you so much. And thanks to A21 for all you're doing. Um, I hope that this information was useful for all of our listeners. And tune in next week where Tammy and I are going to sit down and talk about human trafficking, uh, talk a little bit more about statistics and some survivors that we have information on as well um, to tell their stories. And uh, we really look forward to chatting with you then. Thanks so much. <laughs>